official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Well, good morning, church. This is a bit different for me. Also, I'm going to talk louder. So if you had your speakers all the way up at 11, I saw someone commenting. If you need to, you can turn them down. I just want to make sure that everyone is able to hear me. Um, It's good to be here with all of you. It's digitally, which is strange. Uh, I saw a meme uh, yesterday. Actually, Matt Lehman texted it to me, and it said, where two or three or more are gathered, but less than 10 is how the verse goes, I think, right? And uh, this week I had a great time on the Zoom calls on Thursday and Friday. Um, And let me tell you something, I have great hope for our church during this time. I have hope because I'm seeing all of the ways in which you are connecting and serving, not only one another, but you're also connecting and serving with your neighbors and community in beautiful ways. I got to read some of the comments coming through the live stream this morning, and I've gotten emails and calls and texts from a bunch of you sharing the creative ways that you're serving. And so I'm filled with great hope. Today, we're continuing our series in the book of Lamentations. Uh, And as a refresher, Lamentations is a collection of five poems. Specifically, these poems are lament poems, and they're written in the aftermath of the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon. And this happened around 586, 586, 587 BC. And last week, Adam preached a sermon in chapter three, and and he shared a sermon about how in the midst of these lament poems, when we come to chapter three, uh, there's this chorus of hope that we are invited to participate in singing, even in the midst of our lament. And so this is about the point in my sermon where I'd ask if that sermon last week was resonant to you, I'd ask you to raise your hand. You can't raise your hand because, well, well, yes, you can raise your hand, but maybe if that sermon last week was resonant to you and you just want to let Adam know that that was an encouragement, would you leave a comment in the comment box so Adam can see that? Uh, I know for me, the word felt timely. It felt prophetic, uh, this word about singing a a chorus of hope. And uh, this morning, we're turning to chapter four, as Adam prayed and uh, introduced, and we're looking at the fourth lament poem of the book. And I believe this. I believe that there's a fresh word. I believe that there's a good word in chapter four for us today. Now, uh, before, right before we jump in, I I just want to briefly note that chapter three was in many ways the pinnacle of the book of Lamentations, that there was this building, not only in the language that was used, but also in volume, right? And so we learned that uh, each poem has been written as an acrostic or an alphabet poem. And so chapters one and two had 22 verses in each of the chapters for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But in chapter three, when you get to it, it's 66 verses. And so there's three verses for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the, it's the poet's way of saying, hey, you know what? What I have to say here is important. Listen up. Uh, this, this is where you should really pay attention. And I want you to listen to the tone here in chapter four, as chapter four begins. This is in verse one and two of Lamentations. How the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold has become dull. The sacred gems 
are scattered at every street corner. How the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hand. How the gold has lost its luster. And so we saw this building, right? This building up in lament in chapters one and two and three, right? You, there's, there's almost like this grief and lament. Once it's opened up, it just begins to flow out in chapter three. And so three, it's amplified. But when we get to chapter four, this language, the gold has lost its luster. Is that amped up? Rage your fists at the heavens, angry at God language? It's not, isn't it? It's as if the the poet has had so much to say about their grief. And after giving everything they had in chapter three, it's brought back down in chapter four. In chapter four, actually, if you look at it, it drops back down to 22 verses. Isn't it interesting that the tone in many ways, it matches the poetic structure of the book. Now, We know what this looks like, right? It's the morning after that huge fight in our kitchen or our living room, right? Maybe something has been thrown. Maybe um, a fist has been slammed against something. Or maybe we've said that thing that we shouldn't have said and we can't take it back. Chapter four is the morning after that, right? There's no more yelling. There's no more crying. There's no more raging. It's quieter, And there's this acknowledgement that things aren't going to be the way that they were. The gold has lost its luster. The fine gold has become dull. I I, I would guess that many of you, many of us, that we understand how this feels. We understand the roller coaster of lament. Now, for the remainder of this morning's sermon, I want to look at verses 12 and 13 in chapter 4. And, and these verses, they capture a tone uh, in a way that I find compelling and transformative. And, and they ask all sorts of questions of us. So let's read those verses together now. The kings of the earth, they did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that the enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem, but it happened. I'm going to read that again. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies or foes could enter Jerusalem, but it happened. Let's stop there with, but it happened. It was last Wednesday when it started to really sink into me that the world was changing rapidly, right? We've kind of been in the midst of a media circus for a few months now, but it was really last Wednesday when it started to sink in for me because on Tuesday, uh, for example, I watched on ESPN Plus UVM men's basketball team beat UMBC in the semifinals of their conference playoffs. And then Wednesday, it was announced that they were going to play the final here in Vermont they were going to play the final to an empty gymnasium. And then on Thursday, it was announced that the final was canceled, but not only their final, but all of March Madness. And then the news began to roll in, right? The NBA had canceled their games, MLB, NHL. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like everything was being canceled, right? Next thing we knew, 
um, we were having to cancel our in-person worship gatherings uh, that happen every Sunday at Main Street Landing, and then school closures, and then it was just one thing after the next. And then it was uh, gatherings are limited to, uh, they have to be below 250 people, and then it was 50 people, and then it was 25 people, and then it was 10 people, and now you should really just lock yourself in a closet, right? And so uh, another uh, example of this, but it happened. Um, I shared in my sermon a few weeks ago in Lamentations 1, I shared about Luann's. Luann is my wife, for those of you who don't know. I, I shared a story about her losing her father and her mother within the span of a few years. And I brought up that story to highlight uh, Luann's capacity, what she learned in her own grieving, her own lament. Um, and she, she learned how to lament in that process, but she also learned how to stand in solidarity with others who are suffering. But in light of Lamentations chapter 4 and this idea of, but it happened, I wanted to share a few more details of that story with you today. When, when Luann's father died in 2012, Luann and I, we were watching a comedy in our living room on Netflix. We were just hanging out, and we got a call that her father was in the ICU, and when we received this call, we received this call that he was in the ICU. He was in a coma. He had suffered a cardiac arrest due to a drug overdose. And we immediately turned off the movie. We got in the car and we drove to the hospital in Messina, New York. I think it was around 9 p.m. So we, were, we arrived in Messina at around midnight. And the moment we turned off that movie and hopped in our car, Luann and I knew that the world would never be the same again but then it happened, right? And uh, a couple years later, in January 2014, I showed up to work one day, and the owner of the restaurant that I was managing, he approached me, and he informed me that our restaurant was closing. He's, there, there just weren't the financial resources, and he didn't have the energy to do it anymore. And so, uh, this was a business that, that I had been pouring so much energy into, and it had actually been doing better than it had been doing in previous years, and I couldn't have imagined that it was possible in that moment for it to have been closing, and then I found out that it was, but then it happened. And, and that very night, that same night, I was having a shifty now, a shifty is a term in, used in the restaurant industry referring to a drink that you have after your shift. So we can get it, right? A shifty. I was having a shifty, and I got a call from Luann, and she let me know that she had just received a phone call that her mother had died. And so I just found out that I was going to be unemployed, that I was losing my job, and that the restaurant that I had poured so much energy into was closing, and I get this call from Luann her, that her mother had died. And the next morning, we got in a car with her siblings, and we made our trip down to Florida to make funeral arrangements. And the moment we all got into that car together, we knew that our lives, our world, would never be the same again. It happened. It happened. Um, when it happens, when it does, when we find ourselves standing in the midst of the rubble, there's a time to lament, there's a time to grieve, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to rage and shake our fists at the heavens. And then when we have exhaled all there is to exhale, 
we're left standing in the midst of the rubble of our lives with the acknowledgement that things will never be the same again, which to me brings up some interesting questions for us. Um, often when we lament, if you ever find yourself in a season of lament, usually the, the first questions we ask are how and why, right? Why did this happen to me? How could this have happened? Why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen? How could you have done this? Uh, I'm sure some of you have seen the movie Bruce Almighty. It's when Bruce Almighty, his life is crumbling all around him and he falls in the middle of the road and he goes, oh, smite me, you mighty smiter, right? Do any of you remember this? You can leave a comment if you do remember that. If not, I did that for no reason and embarrassed myself on live stream. I can edit things out in the podcast. I can't edit them out in live stream. Okay. So normally we start with those questions, why and how, but then there comes a moment of exhale when we've given it everything we have in lament. And the exhale is, but it happened. When the questions move from why and how to what, what now? And, and to me, that becomes a, a compelling, a transformative, a changing question to ask. And so I want to, I want to, ask us as a church to consider two questions this week as we look at Lamentations 4. The first is, what world will you be a part of creating? Because I believe that God has created each of us to participate and build and create beauty with him. So the first question, what world will you be a part of creating, is not just the best thing that you can imagine, but what is God creating and inviting you to be a part of with him? Because the world is going to be different. The only question is, what world will it be? Jesus taught his followers to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is a beautiful prayer, but it's also an announcement that God is committed to creating, recreating, restoring, and reconciling our world to be full of beauty and peace and shalom, right? The second question is this, and the second question is worded a bit strangely, so stay with me for a moment. What you will you become in the emergence of this new world? Will we continue on whatever trajectory we were previously on? Will we spiral into despair and bitterness or apathy or will we be formed by God's spirit into a better version of ourselves? Will we grow in Christ-likeness? Will we grow in selflessness? Will we grow in humility, in love, in generosity? In many ways, suffering, it forces us to imagine a new world because it is impossible for the world to be the same, right? In many ways, suffering forces us to imagine a new world because it's impossible for the world to be the same. Things will never be the same, and we need to grieve. We need to lament. Grief and lament, they're necessary. They're healthy responses to suffering. And then there, and <laughs> there's also going to be times when we're not ready to hope, right? We're not ready to imagine what that new world could look like. And the good news is that's okay too. It's okay 
to be there. But when we're standing in the midst of the rubble of our lives, there comes a time to quietly reflect and begin to imagine the unimaginable. There comes a time when we stand in the midst of the rubble and we exhale. This is unimaginable, but it happened. Now, I believe this. I believe that as bearers of God's image, that humans are creative in nature. Erin McManus says it this way. He says that rather than waiting for defining moments or for moments to define us, that we're created by God to enter into moments and bring definition to them. And so the question we're faced is how will this present moment, whether it's the chaos of everything that's happening right now, or whether it's a chaos that's specific to your life, how are we going to bring definition to that moment? Now, back to the story about losing my job and Luann's mother dying. In the aftermath of that situation, uh, Luann and I, we became parents. We became, became parents, and that's one of the two greatest blessings in our lives. We're becoming parents in that moment. The other great blessing in our lives is becoming parents again to Zia, right? And so it's, it's funny how life can be like that. In the aftermath of suffering, that irony, it becomes evident to us, I think, that tragedy and hope, they often hold hands together. It's peculiar, and in many ways, it's a mystery. Um, in the aftermath of losing my job, I, I also experienced another opportunity to ask myself, what world will I be a part of creating? And I didn't choose to ask myself that question. I was forced to ask myself that question. And out of that situation, I had the opportunity to start a coffee roasting business. And we're in our fifth year of operations now, and it's given me the capacity to experience purpose and to bring meaning to the world in ways that I couldn't have expected. But I had no idea how to do that. And in many ways, I was forced to imagine and create a new world while standing in the midst of the rubble. Now, in conclusion this morning, as a preacher, sometimes you have to guess at the suffering that people are experiencing. Um, You might find yourself in the middle of a room and you have no idea the suffering that people are going through. I'm in the strange position this morning as a preacher, knowing uh, with a high level of certainty the tragedy and suffering that many of you, uh, if not all of you, are experiencing, right? Many of us are experiencing, maybe the best thing we're experiencing right now is uncertainty, which is terrifying. But in a lot of cases, a lot of you are facing, uh, I'm certainly facing myself, increased anxiety, loss of work and resources, a person-to-person connection, hopelessness, despair. Uh, I saw this on Twitter this week, and it resonated with me. Maybe it resonates with you a little bit. But the, the person who tweeted, they asked, is anyone else going to bed with like a mild anxiety that that mild scratch in their throat is the beginning of the virus, only to wake up the next morning and realize that you're okay? I don't know if 
<laughs> that resonates with any of you. Uh, I know it's a joke, but it certainly resonated with me. There's so much loss. There's so much uncertainty we're all experiencing. And in many ways, it seems like the beginning. And I think that's why Adam's message last week, it was so timely, how even in a book like Lamentations, the chorus is hope, that in the midst of rubble, there's opportunity empowered by God's spirit to sing out a chorus of hope, even when all you see around is rubble. And we get the chapter four and we exhale, but it happened. Maybe this is why some of the best art is born of suffering. Perhaps this is why some of the world's most generous and gifted humans have also been those who have experienced untold suffering. You can fill in the blank with who you think that might be, right? There's countless examples. We're sharing one of those moments now as a community, as a, as a global community, actually. There's a good chance that many of us are still asking the why and how questions, and that's good and healthy, and the book of Lamentations gives us permission to do so. But I'm hopeful that we will get to the what questions, no matter how you're compelled or paralyzed by those questions, uh, that we will get to the what questions. There comes a time when we need to face them. And so those what questions, what does the world that you'll be a part of creating look like? What does that world look like? Because right now, it just seems like rubble, doesn't it? What is God inviting you to build with him? I'm figuring that out right now. Um, small businesses are being absolutely crushed right now. But I'm hopeful because I'm standing in the midst of the rubble and I've stood in the rubble before and I've seen beauty emerge from it. And I'm learning all sorts of new things and I'm sure I will fail in all sorts of new ways. Uh, and I want to, but, but this is something I'm committed to. I want to continue to be a part of creating a world that reflects and contributes to the beauty of God's good creation. I'm committed to that. And so I want to be more generous than ever. I want to be more creative than ever. And what if we were a church that could do that together, right? And so I'm trying personally all sorts of new things and coming up with all sorts of new ideas, most of which are probably terrible, okay? But here's the thing. When we ask this question, what does the world that you will be a part of creating look like? Just start with something, right? Create, make art, uh, be generous, serve your neighbor. Okay, second question, what you will you become as this new world emerges? This is perhaps the most frightening question to ask in the midst of the rubble. Perhaps one of the reasons we're so unsettled by the world becoming such a vastly different place is not because the world is so unfamiliar, but perhaps it's because we're eerily the same person we were before the world changed. Uh, I'm reminded of the old adage, wherever you go, there you are, right? And so the world's changing, but when we look in the mirror, we see the same person with all of our own brokenness and flaws and messiness, right? But the rubble, it gives us an opportunity to be formed into the best version of ourselves as we're empowered by God's spirit. When we ask the, this question, we have the opportunity not only to participate in creating the new world, but to become a new creation by the power of the Spirit. Um, 
I'm sharing an image with you right now. This is something Abby shared on Twitter earlier in the week. And uh, it's called a liturgy for a hand washing during a pandemic. Tasha is going to share that image with you in the comment stream. And I've actually taped this liturgy. It's something I, I did just a couple days ago. Uh, actually, I just did it yesterday, to be honest. Um, I taped it to the mirror in our bathroom, and I'm going to be using it and asking God to form me even as I wash my hands. What you will you become as this new world emerges. This moment will shape you in some way. The only question is how. The only question is how. Will you continue on the same trajectory or will you come out of this more resilient, more hopeful, more generous, more giving? What, what would it look like if you were to imagine God's spirit entering into your life and changing you and transforming you and forming you to be this person. Now, as I conclude, uh, I want to ask one last question. What kind of church will we become as this new world emerges? Will we continue on the same trajectory we started on? Will we be the same old church as when we were meeting at Main Street Landing in the Film House two, three weeks ago? Or will we become a church that looks more like Jesus because of the situation? Will we learn how to be more selfless? Will we learn how to serve our neighbors and communities better? Will we learn how to be more connected to one another, not less connected to one another? And I'm hopeful that our church will become better because of this. So let's continue to ask these questions. Let's ask these questions of ourselves. Let's hop on calls with one another. Let's get on videos with one another this week. And let's have, continue to have this conversation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word opens us up to hope. And we thank you that your word opens us up to change, that you call us and compel us to be different. You confront us where we are apathetic, where uh, we have missed the point, but your spirit never leaves us alone and your word is testament of that. And so we thank you that even a book in a book like Lamentations that we, we are invited to hope and to see beauty and to be a part of the world that you're creating, recreating and restoring. And so I pray that your spirit would help each in every one of us, and us as a church community, ask these questions. What world will we be a part of creating? And what world are you inviting us to participate in creating with you? And who will we become? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hopefully I get to see y'all at some point this week on a call or uh, something else on Facebook Live. I have no idea. I'm going to invite Jeff back up, and he is going to lead us in worship. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.